The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about how your company can avoid falling into a promotional trap. Joining us is Randy Frisch, who is the Chief Evangelist, Co-Founder, and President at Uberflip, which is a content experience platform that empowers marketers and salespeople to create engaging, relevant content destinations quickly for every campaign audience and stage of the customer journey. Marketers use the Uberflip platform to scale how they incorporate content into every touchpoint and remove friction from the customer journey by surfacing the right content at the right time. And today, Randy and I are going to discuss how to avoid the go-to-market trap. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Randy Frisch, the Chief Evangelist, Co-Founder, and President at Uberflip. Randy, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, thrilled to be talking content. Very excited to have the conversation with you. You're like the content marketer's anti-content marketer. You've got some controversial takes and even wrote the book, excuse my language, fuck content marketing. But you work in content marketing, so you got to explain some of this to me. It seems like you have a love and hate relationship with the niche of the industry that we're in. Where do you stand? Are you pro or anti-content marketing these days? Even though I dropped the F-bomb, it's out of love. It is pure love for content and appreciation for those who create it and the challenges to get it out to market. In fact, that was really my trouble with content marketing. It was not whether we should create it or not. It was the frustration that almost 70% of content created often never gets used. And the funny story is I wrote a blog post probably five years ago, and that was my working title. And it took me about three, four months to convince my team to publish that article because they were like, you're going to offend everyone. You know, They were offended just reading it. And I was like, no, 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 read beyond the title. And eventually we got to that point of trying to educate people that it's not enough to create content. We got to make sure we get the right content from the right audience at the right time, which is all about go-to-market motion. And eventually I ended up writing this book that fortunately became a bestseller on Amazon. But I had a lot of hesitation at that point saying, I can't have a book out there with the F-bomb on the cover. Like, I got young kids. What are they going to say? I'm not going to have that Marty McFly moment where, like, <laughs> they take out the book and it's a heartwarming family back to the future experience. How old were the kids at the time when you published the book? 
I'd say the youngest was seven. So he enjoyed being allowed to drop that odd F-bomb. At seven years old, they've heard it at this point. And you mentioned that the reason why you should F content marketing is because a lot of the content isn't used and needs to be better integrated into your go-to-market strategy. Talk to me a little bit about the relationship with content and go-to-market and why does so much of the content we produce just kind of fall through the grates and down the drain? We're going to hit on that in two ways. First is let's look at who creates content. The people who create content are typically content marketers, and they've been hired because they have a great skill, which is storytelling, creating a great story, understanding their audience. Inside of most marketing organizations, we have a different group, though, that's focused on how do I actually go to market and engage with our buyers? And that is a three-step process, which is around gathering data, using the right channels, and then ultimately creating the right experiences. Now, a lot of those things that I just mentioned there, if you think about this from a go-to-market flow, let's say even account-based marketing flow, which is a term that a lot of us have leaned into in marketing and MarkTech these days, it's this mindset, how do I win the right accounts, right? That's what data do I have? Then how do I attract them? That could be anything from running an ad, perhaps sending a direct mail play, various different plays that we may have. But what we often ignore, and this is the trap, this is that go-to-market trap, is we spend all of that money on those first two buckets. Who's my buyer? How do I grab their attention? But once I've got their attention, where do I send them? So often what ends up happening is we send them to our website. And maybe we have some light personalization that's like, hey, I know your name. So in your case, you'd get something. Hey, Ben, we know you. But what do they actually put in front of you to show that they know you? What do they do beyond first name that says, I actually have the right solutions and I can solve your problems? So the title of this episode, at least before we recorded, was Avoiding the Go-to-Market Trap. Is the trap that people are doing the research to understand their customers, they're creating a lot of content, and then they don't have the right calls to action, they don't have the actual funnel to capture the demand? What's the go-to-market trap? I'll lead first with a data point, then I'll bring it to life. We actually worked with Forrester about a year ago, and we asked marketers their confidence in each of those three buckets. That ability to identify the right accounts, almost 75% felt they could do that. Then the next question is, can you attract the buyer? Do you have the right channels at your disposal? 63% felt they could do that. But can you actually create a dynamic, personalized experience where you route those people at the end of the day? Only 11% of people felt that they could do that last piece. Right? This is Forrester data. This isn't my data. This isn't me trying to say that this is a bigger problem than it is. So what I think we end up seeing, and let's think about this even as B2C consumers or B2B consumers, we often get ads that say, you were looking at buying this, maybe you want to buy this now. Perhaps you were on a store, you were looking at a pair of nice Jordan running shoes, and all of a sudden they're following you into your Instagram account. We all know that. That gold velour sweatsuit is the cross sell. Absolutely. But when I click on that, if I'm dropped onto a page that is not that product, that is not curated related cross-sell items, as you just said, then you've lost me. They've managed to create that connection between the ad and the actual experience. In B2B especially, we haven't really made that jump too often. We tease people with personalized ads where we throw in their company name or we throw in their personal name on a web page, as I said. But what people want when we talk about personalization, they want you to actually be able to solve their problems. They want to know that you have 
the right ability to solve for them. And they're looking within certain defined criteria to say, do you have the content? If you've got it, they'll stick around and they'll ask for more. And if you don't, it's a very quick arrow back, back to my search, back to wherever I started. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. All right, so I'm running my personalized ad. It sounds like we're able to either create content or create an advertising environment that feels personalized and targeted, and we're dropping people off on a generic homepage and saying, go find the information that you want. How do you avoid that trap? What's the best example that you can think of of somebody who is actually creating a connection from the marketing experience to, let's call it the sales experience on your website? So let's go back to those three buckets and think through them from a MarTech perspective. The first bucket we said is data. And there's a lot of great solutions out there to help us with data. You've got the six cents demand-based type of solutions of the world that can help us understand intent. You've got CDPs on the rise, customer data platforms that are helping with this as well to get that 360 degree view of who is our target account that we may want to sell into. This is even our CRM data. All of that comes together to help us understand who do I want to target. Now that I have my list of who I want to target, whether it's marketing targeting or whether it's a salesperson reaching out, they're going to use channels at their disposal. Now, let's go back to suppose you're using a demand base or six cents type of platform. You may run an ad. That ad allows for a high degree of personalization, high degree of targeting or retargeting when someone's engaged with your site. The key thing is every ad, what's our goal? We want them to click on the ad. We want them to click on that button that says learn more, download the ebook, whatever it might be. When we click on there, that's where we need to send them to an experience. Now, the old school way of doing it, kind of the status quo, if you will, is use your CMS. And if you can get your CMS there, that's great. The problem that a lot of us find is that a CMS is great for an overview of our company. But when we come to content, we come to surfacing the right content in the right moment, that's where a content experience platform comes into play. 
solutions like the company I co-founded, Uberflip, and a number of other people who are out there have made it easy for both marketers and salespeople to actually curate all those assets together. So back to that marketing example, the ad that I'm serving, say in demand base, is going to lead to a page simply through a URL that is completely tailored to that account that we might be targeting. Same thing can be done deeper in the sales funnel, though. The sales rep can go in if they're using a solution like a sales loft or an outreach as an example, and they can go out and they can say, here is the right content for you, the buyer. And at that point, we know even more precisely what they're looking for because we've probably had some sort of a discovery discussion that led us to there. So do you find a problem where you don't have the right type of content for a specific buyer, or is it always a matching problem where somebody comes in and I'm just not able to say, well, this person is interested in product A, I should send them content about product A? What you're hitting on is the very root of fuck content marketing. We've created all this content, yet we think we don't have any, so we go and create more content. And that was my whole point. Don't go keep on creating content if you're not going to use it effectively. So the part that you need to start with that we kind of skipped over because we went right to how do we create these personalized experiences? And this is the least sexy thing ever, but you have to tag your content. You have to organize and tag your content in a way where it can be found. Now, I'm not just talking about tagging from an SEO perspective. I'm also talking about tagging from an internal stakeholder perspective. Think about just hiring a new marketer or a new salesperson. They may keep track of the new blog post or new ebook that comes out this week or this quarter, but what is the chances that they know what was created before their start date? It's very hard to find that. But if we add tags and we tag around topics such as something as simple as, say, Salesforce Opportunity Stage, here's content that works really well when something is at the decision phase, which may be 80% for us. If I know that and I can search and add additional tags like what vertical content might work well for what problem might exist. Once we have those parameters, we can narrow down and determine exactly what to surface for that buyer so that we package the right assets either manually or, this is the fun stuff, you start getting into AI and the ability to trust AI to make those recommendations on the fly. Now, when I think of the go-to-market trap, you're talking about delivering the right piece of content to the buyer to help them expedite their journey, build interest, influence. Often I think about the go-to-market not being something that is content-led, but often, specifically, I'm talking about B2B brands and that type of selling, where you're trying to drive somebody into a a demo call, a, a sales funnel, a conversation, a phone call, so a real person can interact in real time, understand what the consumer's problems are, and address them. How much of what we're seeing today is moving away from that sort of like actual, let me get a person in front of you to interpret what your problems are and provide opinions and thoughts, not necessarily just content? I think there's a scenario where we're moving away from that. And there's a scenario where we need to embrace that and adapt to the modern world that we're in. So let me first hit on the world that's moving away from that, which is the trend of product-led growth. No question product-led growth means that we need content that's going to surround because someone never wants to jump on a demo. They just want to start using the product and they want to understand how to use it through a sign-up, through quick, easy use of the product. That one's maybe a different discussion than where we've been at so far, which is a more complex sales process where content is really core at the end of the day. 
So when we have these two different worlds, what we have to look at is what is the desire of that buyer? And in either of them, the one common thread is that people want to work on their own. I think the pandemic even further moved us to that expectation where they expect to work at their time, at their speed, at their pace, in their hours. There's a stat that I always turn to from Gartner that says 82% of the buyer journey is handled independently of talking to sales. And I like that one better than the one that always used to talk about how much content has been read before they talk to sales, because this one looks at even after they've engaged with sales, they continue to want content to do that research on their own. So back to your question, Ben, I think it's a matter of us looking at how do I serve the right content at every single stage? Some of that's going to be before they talk to sales to get them ready to be sales qualified. And some of that is going to be after that first call with a BDR or after that transfer over to an account executive so that they can feed content that will continue to show that this company can actually be the most strategic partner for that organization. So here's my takeaway. We're all heading towards a trap. We all have a ton of content. And whenever we think we don't have enough content, we produce more content. And often we're not using it the way that we should. We're not taking the content and delivering it to the right person at the right place at the right time to help them get through their buyer journey. We're just putting it out there and hoping that they can self-select and find it. And there is this matching process of building your content and actually distributing it to your prospects that is incredibly important for pushing your prospects through the buyer journey. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Randy Frisch, Chief Evangelist, Co-Founder, and President at Uberflip. Join us again tomorrow when Randy and I continue our conversation talking about what personalization actually means. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Randy, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Randy Frisch. That's R-A-N-D-Y-F-R-I-S-C-H. Or you can visit his company's website, which is uberflip.com. Also, you can find Randy's book, Fuck Content Marketing. Yes, you heard me say it on Amazon. And you can even download Randy's podcast, which is The Marketer's Journey, wherever you listen to your podcast. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.